0: Hello and welcome to the... Two hundredth episode of Into the Aether. It's a oh low God. key video game podcast. My name is Brendan
1: Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Happy two hundredth. That's amazing. Happy two hundred.
0: I guess to be clear, it's not like exactly two hundred. We've done a lot of bonus episodes, yeah. And patron stuff, and I don't know weird interstitials here and there. Um, but in terms of like officially numbered normal normal episodes, this is the two hundredth one, which is pretty fun.
1: The two hundredth normal episode. We finally did it.
0: We finally made it to two hundred normal. We did this two hundred times.
1: That is kind of amazing. It's pretty wild. I, I, I am very grateful to keep doing this show. I, I feel like I do want to express my gratitude, and the harsh pivot to talking about a game that is specifically about making a cult is very hard to do. I'm so grateful, but I have one question: Do you want to be your own boss? You know, how do I, how do, I do this? I will say for Into
0: the Aether 100, we kind of didn't do anything super special. I think we just did a normal episode and just called it Into the Aether 100. And Into the Aether 200, kind of going to be the same thing, to be clear. We've just had a lot of milestones recently. And you and I talked about this like a month ago when we realized we were coming up on 200. And we were like, should we do something? And the answer was like, we've been like inundating people with celebrations.
1: Like we should (laughs) just like have a normal... Just like have a super normal one. Yeah, I think, I like we've said many times, I think the Game of the Year episode and the season premiere episode is perfect. It's at like the yeah. perfect level of hype. Yeah, yeah If we had any, it would be like, why are they always throwing birthday parties for themselves? <laughs> <laughs> Woo-hoo! Which truly would be cult-like. Yeah. Uh, which brings us to our uh topic, the game we're talking about in this section, Cult of the Lamb, uh, which just came out recently. It's published by Devolver, developed by Massive Monster. It is a game that is is half a roguelike dungeon crawler, half town sim, but the town is very much a cult. Yeah. This game, for whatever reason, I, like, heard the title, like, before it came out, and I just assumed it was a Binding of Isaac expansion. Like, I didn't know, like, <laughs> I didn't know anything of, it just sounded like that in my head. Yeah. Uh, and then I then I realized, like, it's its its own game, uh, even though there is, I would say, a very strong Binding of Isaac influence. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I heard the premise of, like, okay, it's like, you know, you're running a cult, you're this, like, cute little lamb, and the art style is very, like seemingly innocent but there's this like dark side where you're you know you're a cult leader and you're doing all this awful stuff and that premise didn't really interest me like i i initially kind of wrote off the game to be completely honest and i don't like doing that one of the reasons i got it was because i don't like writing things off without having played them (laughs) uh but i I do think it helped that this game has been pretty well received across the board and is very popular like immediately i think inherently the premise is like a fun game to stream so i feel like that also adds to its popularity I think it's just two really really popular genres that are done really well which I think that's if I can say anything about this game I think it's really worth recognizing like how many games try to be like a roguelike with sort of hack and slash dodging mechanics try to be like Stardew Valley Town Sims never mind try to do both like all those genres are so popular and there's so many games trying and I'm not saying yeah. that is a bad thing but I do think it's worth recognizing like how hard it is to stand out amidst that crowd
0: yeah i feel like there's a there's a fatigue element there you know every every once in a while a new game like this will come out and i'll be like uh man i I don't know if i have another one of these in me you know Um, yeah especially you and i said this a lot after hades came out but hades was like so successful and so good that i felt like a lot of the games that had a hades-esque kind of like isometric top-down hack and slash dungeon run vibe I was like, Hades is your new benchmark, unfortunately. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you can't play a game that's like not as good as Hades and still enjoy it because, you know, we're talking about like cream of the crop here. But yeah. that said, I mean, that's that's the thing that's always going to be going through my head now. The same way once Breath of the Wild came out, I started thinking about open world games differently. The Hades just kind of rewired my brain in that way. So it really does take a lot to stand out. And there are games here and there that have come out in the past that have had kind of a similar aesthetic going for them that I just like haven't really been able to get into to it all for that reason
1: yeah so i think the initial like pitch could potentially be a little exhausting and again like i think anyone should make any kind of art they want to uh i think if we sat down and said there are too many video game podcasts of two guys talking about video games we would have never made this show so like <laughs> you know so i think that there was the initial like okay like this premise is a little bit overdone But the bigger thing for me, like the bigger deterrent of, of maybe not getting this game was like, I didn't, I was worried that the, that the tone was going to be a little bit off-putting, like inherently is it's inherently an off-putting game. And the game kind of knows that, but I, I was worried it was going to have this sort of like happy tree friends energy where it was like just shock value Yeah, and like I find that when there are pieces of media that are simply like oh this looks cute but it's secretly messed up like something like a bully mm-hmm. would show you in middle school <laughs> you know, like, you know like I just I think that can come off very mean spirited where it's like yeah. is all this is justifying expectations cuz like at a certain point that's not very interesting right um this game bumps into that a little bit but overall i'm really impressed with how well it balances tone i think that the really heinous things you can do at least so far and i'm like i would say maybe like a quarter it's a shorter game from what i've read it's like 10 to 12 hours I have beaten the first of four or five big bads and I'm in like the second area. Mm -hmm. So I'm still early on, but so far I have imprisoned someone who has (laughs) preached against my cult and sacrificed someone after preaching a sermon that the afterlife isn't so bad. So they'd be more into the idea. (laughs) That sounds so horrifying and it is, but the game I think, is placing the horror more in the concept and the actual visuals you get are usually very funny it actually adds levity to what's actually happening mm-hmm. like the sacrifice is like you know this animal is like whistling and like pumped to go in this satanic circle and then like a giant tentacle pulls them down so like I have found that it's never gratuitous it's more if you really think about what you just did it kind of makes you like feel icky but I think it's purposeful I think and and what I find really effective about this game. And why I think it's actually a very good work of satire is that you often <laughs> will forget what you're doing. And it's so bizarre that you do because the game is very upfront. Like there's never a twist that you're a cult, like you are a cult. The game begins with uh, the main character is this little lamb, hence the cult of the lamb. You're a little lamb about to be sacrificed by these four like monstrous beings. And the minute the axe is swung, you're transported to this realm where fittingly there's a wolf in front of you who is named The One Who Waits. And they're like, I'm going to grant you power against death to do my bidding. And basically, like, I'm going to order you to make a call in my name so that you can take on these four heretics and restore me to my power. So I think, like, right away, there's this really great framing device of, like, even you, who is this cult leader, are in servitude of a higher power. Yeah. And even they are in chains. So there's this like mm-hmm. recurring theme of like all these characters are kind of tethered by this idea of right. servitude and of like needing to be a cult leader. I think what I find really effective is that the actual mechanics of like the town sim part are so eerily reminiscent of, like, any other town sim game that it kind of makes you question those mechanics in other games, you know? I think it... it, Not that, like, you know, the creepypasta of, like, oh, Animal Crossing's actually a cult, you know? It's a very easy joke to make. But I do think that there's something about, like how enjoyable making a little engine is. I think the main appeal of all town builders to me is like, you know, seeing what you need to account for something else and like growing and suddenly it becomes kind of self-sustaining so you can go do other things to, you know, like there's a loop there. Yeah. That this game is very good at. And by just making it kind of a horrifying thing to be building, it does make you question sort of like certain motivations of the player and also like... I don't know, it's hard to put into words, but I think the closest thing I would compare this to, and there's a lot of there's a lot of um DNA here. Like there's obviously a very strong Hades influence, binding of Isaac, and sort of the creepy aesthetic. But I would say like in function and in what the game is I would say, trying to say as like a message. It reminds me a lot of Darkest Dungeon, um, mm. yeah. which is a game that is largely a dungeon crawler, uh, very creepy, but as maybe the hammiest narrator of all time. It's, it's a great game, would recommend. <laughs> I brought it to the show before, but basically like you make a kind of D&D adventures group of four and the dungeons in that game are like overwhelmingly difficult. I mean, everything is working against you. And the big thing is that the characters slowly will lose their sanity and there's a whole like it's it's really horrific and like in the town there are ways to like you know potentially uh you know fix them but it's also like you know like horrific ways of fixing them as well and eventually you realize that recruiting new heroes is free there's always a wagon of new heroes right so i think if you're like me and i think most players when they first start playing that game you're going to be really invested in your like original group of heroes because they're going to be leveling up getting more powerful or you might just be emotionally invested and you're going to use a lot of resources to try to keep them available. There's also Permadeath, which is another huge thing but the game is is slowly creepily teaching you that it's way more effective to just like discard your heroes and use the fresh batch people are expendable right yeah and like that and and the game is narrated by a character who has kind of lost their soul and is essentially saying like you two will one day like know what i've lost as well it's it's very effective and it's something that like you can try to avoid doing but it is easier and this game is doing something similar where it's like I think that there there are mechanics and I think if I have I have been drawn to treating my cult members as nicely as I can. But the game is constantly like they are a resource too. like don't think of them as people. Right. Uh, They're just there for this this and that. And that is that is very creepy. And and, you know, I don't think it's saying that like, oh, in other games, the characters are just that. But I think like it is kind of haunting to see like in functionality you know, characters in Animal Crossing or Stardew Valley do serve that kind of gameplay purpose. Now, in those games, they're given narrative importance and they're yeah. fleshed out characters that you grow to love. But it's like, if you take that away, all that's there is mechanical function. And this game is showing you kind of how horrific that could be if you didn't have that part of it, mm. which I think is kind of cool. So, you know, I, I feel like whatever the game's central theme is will probably surface at the end. So I don't really know like what exactly it's trying to say, and I don't even know if it really needs to have like any more of a message than it already has. I do think it would be a little boring if all it was was like, "Isn't it creepy to make a cult?" Like I do think there's potential here to like say something more, or at least be like a fun deconstruction of town sims.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're, that's already what you're getting out of it, right? Yeah. So like, even if the game doesn't have some kind of big late game twist or whatever, or like right. shoves that idea in the face, it was like, wasn't it fucked up when you put that guy in the Sims and a little box like like yeah you're already already getting that from the game so I mean it sounds like it's already effective on that front
1: thank you for reminding me because my first thought was that I remember as a kid playing roller coaster tycoon oh yeah whenever I had yeah whenever I had a customer who was unhappy with my park rather than just I don't know Improving my park, I would hire them as an entertainer in a bear suit to like run around, or I would drown them in right. just a bit of water. So like, I do think that this game is kind of removing the especially The Sims. I mean, how many people like you talk to people about The Sims? Like, you could talk to the nicest friend you have about The Sims, and they're like, "Yeah, I love building a house with no doors, right? just trap everyone in mazes and yeah. leave burgers to like guide them to the pool with no yeah. ladder." Uh, <laughs> my favorite
0: part was when i trapped death in the basement yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> even he Everyone can't get me the, here <laughs> yeah. everyone's begging for an end and i say no such luck in this house um <laughs> so i do think that the game is is kind of you know removing the veneer <laughs> of other goals and but like, yeah like that's you're in charge for better or for worse so right. all that to say like i think that the central premise of the cult is working better for me than expected and i just think on a mechanical level it is really enjoyable like the the town build because most of the stuff you're building in the town is kind of stuff you'd be building in a town simulator like most of it is like farms and mm-hmm. sleeping places and every now and then it's like summoning pit but you know usually it's like yeah it's like kind of weirdly uh normal and I think that the combat is surprisingly really fun and i think that the dungeon crawling is kind of the the surprise star here because i do think that a lot of games that try to do this dual focus i think of rune factory especially which this game is also eerily similar to especially (laughs) when like you beat a boss and they become one of your cult members for for some reason in rune factory you often will beat a boss and then they just become like one of the townspeople
0: it almost makes me wish rune factory just was a roguelike in the in the fighting yeah i
1: I do think and You know, Rune Factory, for those who don't know, is a spin-off of Harvest Moon. It's essentially like, what if Harvest Moon was also a JRPG? And I feel like it's such a cool idea. And I and I have enjoyed the games that I've played, but I feel like they're all like just a little away from like the 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 promise of that pitch right and I think a part of that is like I just think it's the logic of both parts of the game are almost too evenly spread where Mm -hmm. it's like Mm -hmm. you know I don't feel the distinct difference of like when I leave town to fight monsters than when I'm in town I think there's something really appealing about Fire Emblem Three Houses, where you come back from a battle (laughs) to the monastery, and they're both very distinct games, but they complement each other. I think a great example of that is also Persona. I would even throw Mass Effect in there as well. I think that like giving the player kind of a breath of fresh air or something to look forward to that is sort of fundamentally different but also complements the experience is really cool. Whereas I think Rune Factory is like you're always kind of feeling the same. So I think it feels a little bit less exciting when you find a temple mm-hmm. because you like have to put away your farming equipment to pull out your sword and like it's all a little bit too bundled together for me. That's right. just my opinion. I know a lot of people love Rune Factory and I also like really enjoy the series, I just think when and you have this sort of dual focus it works better to like
0: really separate them yeah yeah
1: yeah exactly
0: but I mean they're still feeding into one another mechanically which is I think one of the one of the highlights of cult of the lamb specifically is you know going into the dungeon uh going into the roguelike side of this game which they call crusades you know you come out with new followers and you come out with new resources that you can use to build stuff in your camp uh in your cult etc etc you know whenever you beat a boss or a mini boss or something you're getting upgrades for uh, you know, future stuff inside your cult. And then when you're in the cult and you're spending all of those resources and hiring, hiring, indoctrinating all those cult members, et cetera, et cetera, that's all going to further your progress in the crusade side as well. So you have this really nice give and take balance between the two, but they definitely do have a separation between them. For example, you can't pull out your sword and hit shit when you're in your cult, which I think is great. And uh yeah, I my thing with this game. I think you make a great point. I think your read is really solid. I think that's like definitely a read of this game that is really, I, I think that's like a really like hopeful and interesting take on this. I do spend a lot of time while playing this game wondering if it needed to be a cult in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it's the kind of thing, like it just feels very much like a Devolver digital game in that way, yeah, you know, like right. just like, oh, isn't this fucking edgy? Isn't this so cool? Like, not to say that that's all of Devolver's shit, but like that is increasingly kind of Devolver's thing, which True, isn't always yeah. bad to to be clear, like there are a lot of great games that come out of Devolver Digital. Big fan of their work, obviously. Um, I've talked about a lot of them. Some of them are my favorite games of all time. But increasingly, you're starting to get an understanding of, I think, what their shtick is in the... in terms of the stuff that they like publishing. And this game being like, oh yeah, it's a really cool roguelike and it's a town building simulator, but it's fucking dark. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. That that's gonna be for a lot of people and it currently is for me, but there is a piece of me that keeps wondering like this could have also been something different. Like this honestly feels a lot like what Moonlighter could have been in a way. Like if Mm, Moonlighter was a little bit stronger, I think, mechanically on both ends of the spectrum, I think it would have been closer to what Cult of the Lamb is. But that having been said, I think I think this game is like stellar. I think it's like really 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 successful at both ends. I've been really enjoying the roguelike stuff. My big drawback personally is that I find the town building stuff to be a little bit like too intensive in terms of the amount of focus I need to put on it. I want it to be this kind of well-oiled machine that's kind of like fixing itself and 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 perpetuating itself but unfortunately because there's like a hunger meter and you know it's constantly going down there's like a faith meter that's constantly going down so you need to constantly be doing sermons you need to constantly be growing food making food preparing food giving it to your followers etc you need to constantly like run around your your cult and like sweep up poop off the ground so it doesn't like poison your cult members etc etc there are all these things that they don't feel like they're actually things that i um can like let happen idly, which is almost what I want. And I know that that's going to happen eventually. I know eventually like there's got to be, you know, I have to eventually get to the point where I can go talk to a cult member and be like, hey, can you just like sweep up all the shit around here? And they'll be like, absolutely, my guy. And then they'll start doing that right now. I have to do that right now. I have to do all of these things like prepare food, like hold all these sermons, et cetera, et cetera. And unfortunately, I think the the big thing for me is that those meters continue to go down and all of the things that can go wrong with your cult still continue to go wrong while you're in the dungeon, which means you have to prioritize going through the dungeon faster or else you'll come out with less resources and need to make up for more lost time. And I'm really enjoying the roguelike side of this game, which means that I have to do that less because I need to spend more time managing the cult so it can like survive while I'm going and doing the thing that I would rather be doing.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I think the game would benefit from time stopping when you go do do a run basically. Yeah. Cause yeah, like the idea of like, you know, I, I have I do so you can customize all the cult members and one of the thing there are so many things to unlock and one of them is like different appearances. So there's mm-hmm. like a bunch of different animals and like other fun creatures. Uh I randomly found a hedgehog, so I immediately named him Sonic and made him blue. Uh <laughs> so you know it's it's a little bit discouraging, like you said, for the run when I'm like enjoying the rogue like then it's like Sonic is starving. And I'm like, I, I'm
0: busy yeah you know like i'm in the middle of fighting a boss they do do some good stuff so there is like this as i mentioned this like perpetual clock that's constantly going and you can see what time of day it is in the cult and outside of the dungeons and stuff they do a really smart job of like when it's nighttime and you're in a dungeon the enemies will get harder usually like the heretic that you're supposed to go up against at the end of the area that you're in um will like show up and like essentially just taunt you and then throw a bunch of enemies at you like they do some cool stuff with the day night stuff but it does mean that like any if you if you, if you take your time, if you want to run around and like destroy all the stuff, kind of like Binding of Isaac that's in each room. So, you can like cut down all the grass and take it so you can, you know, go back and use it to make stuff in your cult later. That's actually just time that you're wasting that's going to impact your cult in a negative way further down the line. So, it, it really does incentivize you going very quickly.
1: Yeah. I also think, and this maybe is just an early game take, but there might be like too many things to unlock, especially given this is like <laughs> a 10 to 12 hour game. Like, I do like the system. Like, I like, uh, from what I understand, and I could be misreading this, but throughout the game, you unlock ter- Cards that I think you like permanently, you don't have like the benefit of them. But essentially, like you unlock them to appear in a run.
0: Yeah. Right. It's it's very much like um, it's very similar to the Binding of Isaac, where as you continue to do things in Binding of Isaac and as you continue to beat the game or I don't know, collect enough money in a run or something and like essentially knock off achievements, they'll give you new items as a thing that might show up the next time you do a run. So in this case, when you unlock new tarot cards, it's like these are possibilities That can show up later.
1: Right. There's a whole curse system that I haven't unlocked quite yet. I do like the simplicity of like when you start a run, they give you a random weapon and a random power. Yeah, those are the curses oh those oh those are the, they're all curses okay gotcha yeah. gotcha this is like in magic when i learned everything as a spell i'm like oh that makes so much sense <laughs> that makes the wording make sense but yeah I mean there's just like a like whenever I unlock something I'm like this is I thought a short game but there's like 30 different paths to unlock which is yeah. cool i I haven't really been engaging with the customization as much just because like I don't really want ownership of this cult like i don't want this to be mine really I just, yeah i'm doing it like for the game I mean I did name my cult chilies which like was my best decision because now whenever I summon myself back to my cult, it says it Chili's. Says so Chili's like, yeah, big glowing font.
0: Yeah, mine is called Summer Break, which I love
1: every time I show up. I'm like, Summer Break! Yeah, I definitely agree with you that like, you know, there is this like kind of edgelord part of the game, I guess. And that that was, again, initially why I was like on the fence. I don't think it's like as prevalent as I expected, which is mm-hmm. why I'm really enjoying it. And I do think you're right that the game is strong enough mechanically here that it could have been like a successful entry in the sort of like Moonlighter Rune Factory style game. But I do think like the fact that it's seemingly a game that you finish and move on from, because I think roguelike's, tend to have this sort of uh, almost like play forever mindset where like mm-hmm. you know, the people in my life who who play Binding of Isaac, they've been playing that for ten years, kinda nonstop. And Hello Haiti <laughs> and Hades and FTL for me are games that I always love revisiting and Hades I think goes the extra mile where like it does create a sense of home that like you and Zagreus are returning to so like it's always I've been playing that game a lot again recently and it's just such a joy to return to and like it is kind of miraculous how much there is left for me to do in that game even after rolling credits like there's so many yeah Unresolved things that I'm slowly working on finishing. So I think that Cult of the Lamb being a roguelike that is shorter is a really interesting choice because this is also a game that I probably wouldn't want to return to a lot. <laughs> you know, I think it's like, it, it's amazing that it's not completely off putting, but it's off putting enough that I wouldn't want to just play this game indefinitely, which is kind of a shame because the mechanics are really good. So it's like this kind of oxymoron of like, if there wasn't the cult aspect, this would be a, another really good roguelike in my rotation, but I think like I think that this game does stand out. I think ultimately, while I agree with you that like there's this sort of devolver auteur like we're gonna be edgy thing that can sometimes be hit or miss, I do think like the reason I'm thinking about this game as much as I do is because of the cult stuff and because of that deconstruction of a town sim and sort of like. What it can potentially be saying or at least like leave you questioning when you think about your actions in other games, even if it's just like Sims chaos or roller coaster tycoon chaos. Yeah. I do think that that does carry some weight, um, but I do think it, it like is both the best and worst thing about the game. Uh, but yeah, it would have been a different project, obviously, without it.
0: I totally I mean, yeah, I, I think with your read specifically, that's that's a really interesting lens to view the game through. I I definitely have kind of like an ickier time engaging with it. I, I have a harder time kind of getting over that hump every time I sit down to play it. It's it really is one of those things kind of like binding of Isaac's art style. I think initially, you know, a lot of people find that to be like, something that they don't want to engage with at all and i totally get that and i I think it was very helpful for me to have played it like right when it came out where i I think i just didn't think about things in that way or care at all i was like oh this game's gross i'm gonna play it you know and then eventually (laughs) like i just don't even see it anymore because i'm so about the systems i have a much harder time with that with this game um i mean like like, cults are real, you know? Like, cults yeah, are, like, a real yeah. thing that's, like, really harmful for a lot of people. Um, and I, I think viewing it through a lens of, like, satire and goofs I don't think I'll ever really get over that hump in a way. So literally every time I sit down to play the game or honestly, every time I sit down and like open up my switch and I'm like hovering over the icon, it takes me a second to press it like longer than it would be for me to go play the fucking Xenoblade somewhere, you know? Yeah. Um, Because I'm like, there's a nagging part of the back of my head. That's like, this is wrong in a way that I I need to like, I need to like turn off if I want to enjoy the game. Um, And once I get in there and I start experiencing, it's great. I mean, for those of you listening to this, Uh, by the time it comes out there's gonna be like a bunch of videos on our youtube of me playing this game and like enjoying it thoroughly and going up against bosses and having like a good time and like building my cult up and whatever but throughout that entire experience i can't stop thinking about that aspect of it and it makes me really uneasy and i i agree that the game is like engaging with it and i don't think it's like i don't think it's putting it up on a pedestal to be clear i don't think it's like yeah dude cults are sick like it's obviously not doing that it's it's as you're saying it has multiple layers of of i i think uh going through the looking glass on this right where it's like you have these four bishops that you have to go up against these heretics who follow the old god uh you have this like chained up demon that you're essentially um behooved to help in your own way everybody's looking at you as if you're some kind of god some kind of idol it it has a lot of questions about like spirituality and faith and and organized religion and cults and all of this stuff like it definitely is trying to engage with all of that but i do think putting it in this veneer of like isn't this like cute and silly maybe does undercut that a bit I don't know I'm, I'm having a hard time kind of articulating what it is about this game that I think I think is allowing me to look past that stuff that I do find to be like kind of abhorrent in a lot of ways
1: yeah I, I totally agree I think mean, this game is kind of On the fence, you know, as as much as I've said my piece on it, like I do think like this is inherently a really hard thing to tackle and to make a game about because essentially like it's inherently unenjoyable you know, right, to, to, to yeah. do these things. And, like, I do think it's kind of a miracle the game pulls it off at all. I will say, I, I agree with you that, like, I always am on the fence on starting it, but then when I'm actually playing it, I find it hard to put down. Yeah, And I think, totally. like, I think the fact that I, kind of like you said, um of Isaac, you forget about the aesthetic. I think that, for me, the strongest thing this game does is that I forget what I'm doing sometimes mm-hmm. until I'm abruptly reminded. Yeah. And that, to me, is pretty powerful. But I agree. I mean, I think that there's, it's a subtle enough... Oh, well, it's not subtle. But I think like <laughs> what it's trying to say is at least currently not clear enough. That one could have many reads on it, which is good. But I do think the juvenile read of isn't this funny is is potentially dangerous, like you said. Yeah, because this is you know, this is a real thing. And, and I think like uh, I mean, eerily, like a lot of cults kind of lure people in just with the promise of like food and shelter, which is like the first things you make. Totally. You know? So yeah. like
0: I don't want to say too much, but I feel like a big touch point for me on the idea of using a cult in a way that I, I think makes a really interesting point is Midsummer. Which is a yeah, it's a great movie that has, I would say, completely different flaws outside of the cult aspect of it that I I have a hard time recommending to people because I think it's really hard to watch. Um, yeah. But I think it's like a, a really like spectacularly well made movie. But I've been thinking about Midsummer a lot in the context of of this game. And I'm like, that movie uses the idea of a cult to kind of drive home the point that people who are vulnerable in ways uh, any kind of way really are essentially just getting like absorbed into this thing for exactly that reason that you were just bringing up and I feel like this game I've seen that happen once I had one instance in which like one of my cult members came up to me and was like hey there are two people who are at the door and they're sick do you want to take them in and it was just like a mechanic thing where it's like you say yes and then you have two more cult members and you can like send them to bed rest if you build them beds and stuff then they get better and now oh cool you have two more cult members and if you say no then you lose a bunch of faith but that was the first moment where I was like there you go like that's that's an interesting idea like go further down that like don't don't make this a thing where it's like an obvious yes just because I'm getting two more members of my cult or if I say no Oh, I'm like losing a bunch of stats that I've been trying to build up for the past hour. that that was an interesting point to me uh, that was that was like an interesting use of of the cult idea at least.
1: Yeah. I will say too, not so constantly going back and forth with like what I'm communicating about my opinion with the game but i Mm. i wonder if i if i will feel compelled to beat it because i do feel like i kind of get if this is all the game is doing i feel like i got what i got out of it already yeah you know yeah even though i enjoy the act of playing it like i do think like i wonder if there not that it has to be like a big reveal but i do think that this game has potential for whatever the ending is to like really say something more directly. Yeah, I agree. And I I almost want to know that like, I almost want to be spoiled about that ahead of time (laughs) before I like do it. But you know, as you said, the game is short enough, right?
0: Like you you and I, it seems like we're kind of at the same point. We're both like going or making our way towards the second of the heretics. Um, I've taken out two of, so I actually really like the way the roguelike side of this game is structured. It, it, it The progression path is like really, really, really obvious, which I think yeah. is helpful for a lot of people, including me. So the idea is there are these four zones. Each of them is uh, heralded by one of these four bishops, these heretics of the old gods. And to make it to them, you need to go through four runs in their zone, each one ending with like a little mini boss. And when you beat that mini boss, you can in, uh, indoctrinate them into your cult, which I always love doing. Uh, It's really fun because they're <laughs> always like wild looking. They're like big, horrifying, like scary looking bosses. And then they turn into like cute little versions of themselves. But anyway, once you beat those four mini bosses, your fifth run in there will be against the heretic. And then you can just keep going against them over and over and over again until you beat them. And then you move your way onto the next zone and do the same thing over and over again. Uh, and I think that having that like very linear progression path is actually really helpful for me to know exactly where I'm at. So right now I'm in the second zone and I've beaten two of the mini bosses. So I have two more and then I have the heretic. So like I'm I'm like almost halfway through the game at this point, I guess, hypothetically. Um, I imagine like you or were saying earlier, there's definitely going to be like a fifth thing. And I don't know yeah. who it is. I mean, maybe it's the big chained up guy who knows but there's definitely gonna be a fifth thing going on here but i do wonder once you beat all that i mean as you were saying with hades like you beat that game and there's so much left to do there's so much dialogue left to uncover there's so many relationships to build up so much stuff going on in hades when you're done with it i do wonder if at the end of this game there is some kind of post game that would actually keep me engaged because at the moment I feel like I'm fighting against the tone of it. There is a world in which this ends in like a happy ending way. And I'm like, you know what? I actually do want to start putting decorations here. I do want ownership over this place. (laughs) So I think you're right. There is that mental block of like, I don't want to invest in like making this place beautiful because it's a machine. For chaos and like, yeah, and like devilish shit, you know, like I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to make that like a beautiful place.
1: Yeah, I did make a cobblestone path, so maybe I'm a heretic myself, (laughs) but I, (laughs) I feel the same way. Uh, I did get a bit of a taste of what could potentially be the end game, and this is not spoilers, but I actually had to go back to so Darkwood I believe is the first area I had to go back there because in order to unlock the door to the next area I was one follower short so I guess I gotta because I you know had hastily sacrificed someone Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I was like let me go get a new cult member yeah so I went back to Darkwood having already defeated that area's boss Mm -hmm. and I was greeted by a big owl who was, like, yeah. everyone, like, in the vacuum of power, now everyone is, like, fighting for control. And they gave me a bit of, like, lore about the area, and then it was then it broadcast that, like, the enemies are harder here now. Yes. So I do wonder if, like, you can kind of keep returning to old areas to maybe, like, get better weapons or better items or something, uh, and maybe also just learn more about, like, who these old gods were, that is something that kind of helps. I do think that like, there's no chance that the one who waits is good. Right. Uh, But I do think <laughs> the four enemies we're fighting are clearly bad. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least like every character is trying to be a cult leader of some kind. Mm-hmm. It's alien versus predator. Whoever wins, yeah, lose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean, I, I do wonder like, I wonder if when you get to the end of this game if like one part continues like I wonder if they both continue or not like I wonder if it's like the town management is now out it's just the roguelike part now mm-hmm. I'm not sure but all i just say I, I definitely think this game is worth checking out if you're at all interested in these genres I think it's definitely the kind of game that you know take all the caveats we've said but I do think that like seeing the the praise for it, like I think it's worth making up your own mind about obviously yeah don't let us induction at you into what we <laughs> think. At, at the end of the day I'd rather a game come out like this that leads to us having these conversations than just something I don't think about at all
0: you know yeah I totally with you yeah yeah I mean look I'm I'm being I, I would say uh especially for this show uh more critical than usual but I really am enjoying this game a lot uh yeah I, no, I th-
1: but you're you're saying things that are worth pointing out, you know because that's that's yeah, like no,
0: i I would not hold this stuff back about this totally. game ever um but I, I agree with you that like yes, the game is very successful, but there is a lot to talk about on the other end of this you know, what is this game trying to convey is, is this is this setup <laughs> worth having, et cetera, et cetera but I mean eh, it's good like it's good it's good at. <laughs> It's good at being a video game. I'm going to keep playing it. I'm going to keep posting videos to our YouTube about it, probably as long as I'm playing it, uh, at least until I get towards the end or if I give up on it eventually. I also went back to the first zone, by the way, and found a way that you can go and fight the heretic a second time, which is really fun. Oh, interesting. So you can like make your way through and I think just like go and fight like another mini boss and they're like harder than they were the first time. But there is a way to like skip all that and just go directly to the heretic, which is really fun. I would recommend doing that if you can figure out how to make it happen.
1: What's interesting is that there is a character who kind of teaches you how to play the game early on, who like lives in like a hermit shack, because there are other areas you can go to. So far, I've unlocked his shack and the fishing area. Yeah, I love love the fisherman. He's like, I'm not in your cult. Like, I'm not gonna listen. Like, just give me fish if you find any. (laughs) Although... In the lighthouse, there is a cult who's like, we can't find the light anymore. So like there are cults everywhere in this world. But yeah, I do think it's interesting and I I wonder this is some kind of foreshadowing where like there's the hermit who like once he teaches you how to play the game, he goes back to his shack. And it's it's said that like he was once in a situation like yours. Yeah. So that leads me to believe, like, I wonder, and this is just my guess, but I wonder if at the end of the game if you might have like a defining choice of like, do you like give all this up to Mm -hmm. live in isolation to break free of all this or do you like you know ascend to godhood and become one of the villains you've been fighting the whole time i can see that being like the choice
0: Outside of that, I'm glad you brought up the extra stuff because I, I really love the fishing area. I think the fi- the yeah. fishing minigame is just the Stardew Valley fishing minigame, it is. to be clear, which is very funny. Um, and you can yeah. just go there and do that as much as you want to, like, get a bunch of fish so you can go turn them into food for your cult. Um, also, have you given the lighthouse a bunch of wood yet? No,
1: I haven't. I'm I'm very sh- – my, my cult's not doing great, so I have nothing to give yet. Oh, okay. the Chili's is not well stocked with ore or wood. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. All right. My my recommendations for you then would be to get the uh like wood storehouse and the stone storehouse because I didn't realize yeah, I
1: had, reali- had the stone one. Yeah. OK,
0: yeah. I didn't realize this, but like once you've cleared out all of the resources in the cult that you start with, like they grow back, but very slowly. But if you have those storehouses, they will just generate that stuff irrespective of if it's actually growing in your cult or not, which is very helpful. But also when you when you give uh, a bunch of wood to the lighthouse, uh, it upgrades that area. So there's like a bunch of vendors there. Oh, cool. So I love that. And then also when you're going talking to, I think his name is Ratau is, is the guy uh, who like teaches you how to play the game. Initially you can go play like a dice game with him. That's essentially like almost Yahtzee. It seems like. Yeah. Um, That's, honestly it's really fun and it's another situation where like I love playing that but the more time I spend there playing it the more time my cult is like draining all of its resources um, yeah so I, I'm forced to like not again engage with the thing that I like doing because of this constantly moving clock
1: I do wonder if that's also the message of the game where it's like you are as in service of the cult as like the like you can't do the things you want to do because of the cult you yeah
0: know? yeah I, th- I think it's really important that you like help your cultists build stuff right like when you when you order like a bed to be made or you know the stone storehouse or whatever all a bunch of your cultists will like go and start building it and you can go help them if you want you are the person who is like sweeping up and picking up all of their shit on the ground uh if you want like these are things that you are also engaging with and i think that's actually really helpful i think that's a really interesting point
1: yeah i mean i also think like it's clear that the one who waits is really giving you this false title. Like you're making a cult for him, you know, Mm -hmm. like as much as you are the leader and your, your eyes are glowing and spilling (laughs) blood as you preach sermons. uh, You're not, you're not innocent by any means, but I do think like, you know, I mean the, the wolf and lamb uh, analogies are very, on the nose, but fun. I'm really, I'm just really curious how it all ends because that that I think can make this game from good to great for me because mm-hmm. I think it's like it's working as a game, and I think that there's like satire happening, but like maybe like not quite as directly as the game intended or maybe not intended. It's not clear what the intention is, which I think is why we're like constantly yeah. going in circles. Yeah, Because again, the intention could very well have been like, isn't it like, if you really think about it, like, isn't it fucked up that Pokemon fight each other? You know, like <laughs> uh, that that hard drive article. Yeah. Uh, older brother <laughs> says how messed up Pokemon is. Something like that. It's very funny. That is not interesting to me. But everything we've been kind of poking at, Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many reviews of this game that are bringing up uh, like, you know, the the Polygon review mentions that this is satire of organized religion and like poking out the hypocrisy of that. And like there's the fact that that's that this game is sort of, you know, leading people to make assumptions about what the game is about, I think is is a good sign. But again, I think the fact that it's all over the map might be an indication that maybe it's not quite as clear as it wants to be.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think I have anything else on this until I play more of it. Yeah, me too. Cool. Cult of the (laughs) Lamb is out on a bunch of platforms. Uh, I will say, actually, it is worth mentioning, I'm playing this on the Switch. When it came out, there were some bugs and some performance issues, and then an update came out that actually made them even worse, which is kind of a bummer. If you're picking up this game, maybe it's been fixed by the time this episode is out. Who knows? Um, but if you're playing this game or thinking about picking it up I would maybe suggest a different platform other than switch for now or just sit tight and wait for the switch version to get patched up because um, it, it's all stuff that feels like they can fix like I don't think it's going to be that difficult for them to patch it up but the art is like so beautiful and I really am like very interested in the perspective of this game and the way it uses like 2d objects in a 3d plane yeah um, totally it's very colorful it's really cool like maybe it is worth getting on a platform that's not switched just so you can see it and it's like full glory in that way yeah i'm but, playing
1: on ps5 and it's been it's been good yeah uh, i haven't had any issues yeah but
0: i have been enjoying having it in handheld mode specifically Totally. So that, that's like kind yeah. of the trade-off for me it's like i really i really do like playing it in bed before i go to sleep um and have really fucked up dreams <laughs> yeah i was
1: about to say this. <laughs> This is not a good before bed game. <laughs> good night, Sonic. Good night, Chilis. <laughs> Until tomorrow, summer break. I do like if you preach your sermon when everyone's asleep. They're like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, that's where they draw the line. Yeah, not
0: like it's really the funny.
1: sacrifices or like the shit everywhere. But they're like, you woke me up for like, you know, this bullshit sermon where you just <laughs> scream at me. No. Nah. I'm losing faith. Yeah, have you have you ever
0: read the mind of one of your cultists and had it like pay off for you? Have you ever had a moment where like you read their mind and they were like, "I really wish we had this," and then it was like you did that thing for them and it helped. Really,
1: that kind of goes back to what I was saying of like, there's a little bit too much information and too many things. Like I I I do think it's fun. Like you kind of get it. It does remind me a lot of roller Rollercoaster Tycoon, where it's like there's not enough bathrooms. You know, it's like right. You're you are now hired as a panda bear. Um, (laughs) all it really helps with is seeing like who is faithful or not Mm -hmm. so if you scroll down you can see like you know i'm so happy to be in this cult or like i was indoctrinated against my will Mm -hmm. or whatever so that kind of helps but even then like i find it's more helpful just to react to what's actually happening versus like planning ahead i do have like there's one horse in my in my town that i love that like is so like, unabashedly loyal. And he's always like, I think this person's a dissenter. And then he goes away and starts mining more. And it's like, I'm like, I love this guy. Like, I'm trying not to get attached to anybody.
0: Yeah. They do get old and die. It's worth mentioning. Like, oh, the the longer they stick around, <laughs> they will eventually get old. It's so funny, too, because they come up to you and they're like, I've lived a long life. And then they, like, change into, like, a different gown. And they have, like, a cane. And then they, like, walk around slowly. And they don't help anymore. Um, oh, wow. Which uh, you know, if they make it to that point, then you know, good for them. Uh, good for them. There's a lot of ways to die in that cult. Um, <laughs> oh my god! I also can't believe. I mean, it's so funny to me that they just like pick the worst places to go to the bathroom. Like they yeah. all, it's always like directly next to where everybody's food is, <laughs> directly in the farm where I'm growing all the food, or as far away from everything as possible, so I'll never find it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that it's usually the latter for me. Um I'm like, why is the bacteria level like red? I'm like, oh, yeah. there's a whole like <laughs> forest of shit that I didn't know existed. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think like I'll I'll end on that lovely imagery. <laughs> Great. Well, called the
0: lamb available for multiple platforms. Um go pick it up if that sounds interesting to you.
1: It was twenty-five dollars on the Sony store, so it's a little bit more affordable. So I think if you're interested, like definitely take a chance on it. I think it's I think it's worth checking out and make up your own mind about it. Yeah.
0: Oh, and as I I mentioned before, I have a bunch of videos on our YouTube if you like want to see what the opening looks like and see if it's for you. Um, I actually had somebody text me the other day and they were like, I watched that video and picked it up and now I'm loving the game. So yeah. I think it's maybe yeah. one of those ones where it's worth seeing a little bit of before you pick it up.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it sounds like why would you ever want to play that? And it's actually way more fun than than it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With all the things we talked about applied, obviously. Uh do you want to take a break and then wake up for the daily sermon before we eat uh, a grass sandwich and take a dump by the statue
0: yeah all all of that sounds good in exactly that order
1: I wouldn't change a thing about that plan I do love when Sonic was like he was like hey teach you know we could all eat grass right like we're not gonna be thrilled about it but like it's better than nothing <laughs>
0: Have you had any of your cultists try and get you to like play pranks on the other cultists?
1: No, I, I've only been asked to feed them grass <laughs> to imprison the dissenter. Chili's has a weird energy these days. Chili's does seem to have,
0: to have weird energy. Summer Break,
1: yeah. summer <laughs> break
0: is kind of living up to its name. I had one of my cultists come up to me and be like, you know, it'd be so funny if we fed the first mini boss that you beat like a big bowl of poop. <laughs> and then I did it, and then the cultist was like, great job he's so sick and now i'm gonna give you a bunch of rewards <laughs> <laughs> on that lovely note i think we should. <laughs> goodbye. goodbye bye-bye steven what if i told you you could play a game that's kind of like cult of the lamb but it's not a roguelike <laughs> and instead of burying people in uh just like mountains of tasks to do you buried them in
1: student debt would you be interested in that I- <laughs> yes and i also love the idea that we can now be like i've got a pitch for a game it's like go of the land but it's not a cult <laughs> like everything is just, it's just like, i got an idea for a game it's like grand theft auto but you can't drive or kill anyone and everyone else is a mushroom and you can only jump <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great Dude, what do you want to call it exactly
0: like fortnite there's a bunch <laughs> of like colored blocks that are falling from the
1: sky no guns and you just need to like arrange the blocks <laughs> somehow that's the closest fit though i feel like fortnite and tetris do have some some common dna i mean maybe do you think fortnite fresh. is the tetris of our time stephen <laughs> I just wish Tetris is full of pop culture icons and and fort construction, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, you can go and play uh, Tetris DS and get a bunch of at least Nintendo pop culture icons in there. See, the connection is there. The c- Tetris connected, Steven. Um,
1: <laughs> OK, <laughs> I
0: do feel like I, I have been just like hiding in my pocket for like five weeks of Fortnite segment that I think I'm just going to like spring on you at some point. It's going to be a jump scare against yeah. your will. Yeah. Uh, not today. Yeah. I'll say that much because now, now it would be too obvious. I'm not going to do Look,
1: it. Look, I am always interested in hearing what you are passionate about. So whenever you got it, I'm ready. That's very nice of you.
0: I can't wait for the yeah. Dragon Ball Z edition next week.
1: Just... <laughs> 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 I think it's like, it's the one game where I clearly don't have any interest, but I honestly do. Again, I don't want to write anything off. And I feel like you have a really like genuine curiosity about what's going on in that game. So I'm always open. I just want you to know it's a little, it's a bit of a bit. I'm not completely disinterested. I am here to listen to you when you want to talk about it.
0: When we finally give Krillin a gun.
1: (laughs) Okay, I'm sold. And he's like, what is this power? (laughs) finally yajirobe has a healing item that isn't a senzu bean (laughs) oh my god
0: they're gonna add senzu beans aren't they anyway uh i've been playing two point campus on (laughs) my xbox series s and by extension i've also been playing it on my ein odin through game pass which has actually been really nice because for some reason the switch version of this game got delayed a week out of every other thing the digital switch version At launch, you could buy the physical one. It's very confusing. I don't know what was going on with the Switch version, but uh, as of this recording, it should be out on Switch. I don't know how it runs on Switch, to be totally honest. I've just been playing this on Xbox and through Game Pass, where it's been running spectacularly. Um, This is a game by Two Point Studios, who previously made Two Point Hospital. Uh, a game that I was kind of uninterested in checking out I have it downloaded and I might end up dipping into it just to see you know the comparison points between the two but as you and I have talked about in the past I'm not like super interested in the idea of like a pop-up that's like hey all your patients are dead I guess you gotta fix your hospital it's like that's actually <laughs> a little bit too morbid for me especially in the life and times that we're living currently I'm much i feel like uh, campus college vibe university vibe much more my speed than uh an actual life and Death scenario like a hospital. Uh, totally. So this is a game that I uh was very interested in checking out as soon as they announced it. I really love the art style. I love the kind of like irreverent yeah. vibe of, of of these games. Uh, they seem very silly. I didn't even realize how silly they were. If I'm being totally honest, I think I just thought it was like fun, like cartoon people, and then it's kind of just like a sim management game. But this game goes in some really wild places. Because right when you start out and they're teaching you, you know, how to build a college, the different mechanics of the game, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, you're building like. Like a... a- science college like a real like science focused college so you're building like a science lab and like hiring teachers and like getting lectures and building lecture halls and like all the things that you would expect to do and the second one you're building like a culinary school which like oh that's actually kind of cool it's a cool fun twist uh so you're converting this school from what it once was into a culinary academy building a bunch of like cooking labs and like throwing a bunch of like parties where people are cooking things and everybody's trying each other's cooking to like get them like riled up and excited about like doing better in class etc like some cool mechanics the third one you build like a like a Gundam you build like a robotics school <laughs> and
1: their oh that's awesome their like
0: year long plan is that the robotics class needs to build a Gundam and then you continue to get further and further down the rabbit hole where i I haven't gotten to this point yet, but it has been implied to me that I will build a school for vampires eventually. I will have (laughs) like a Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry eventually. Like they are really going to start adding some wilder and wilder things here, which eventually leads up to you being able to build your own from scratch college campus with whatever classes you want, where you can, I guess, incorporate all of those things together. (laughs) And have somebody, like, double major in being a vampire and also a
1: chef. That's so cool. I'm a Gundam major, but I'm also (laughs) a vampire. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Um, I love that. It's honestly, like, it's... I I mentioned
0: that I've been playing Cult of the Land Before Bed. Very silly of me, (laughs) but I also... Like I have my Switch and my Ein Odin next to my bed <laughs> and I just yeah. like depending on which one I pick up is one of these two games that I'm playing Two Point Campus much better game to play before
1: bed like objectively Yeah I was going yeah. I mean still weird dreams I was <laughs> having a dream <laughs> yeah. of a vampire high school it's a little scary Yeah but also kind of thrilling
0: But I I have found this game to be really 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 uh, really good really successful I think, I think it's kind of just like exactly what you want if you're looking for a builder game like this some kind of like sim management game I will say that There are some issues in the way they're tutorializing, and just by nature of it being a game like very, very, very clearly built to be played on a computer, and now you're playing it with like a controller in your hands, gets a little bit like wild, I think, just in terms of the amount of buttons and the button combos and the menus that you need to scroll your way through while using a controller. Feels a little bit unwieldy. I think you and I talk a lot about games that are built for PC that eventually make their way to consoles or to mobile and things like that, where there's a lot of thought and a lot of time put into making the game like feel really responsive and feel like it was built for, you know, whatever platform it's on. And this is unfortunately like not one of those, I think. Um, yeah. It's definitely a hump that you're going to have to get over. But once you do get over it, it is really joyful. It is really fun. I've been having a great time with this game. I mean, I am, as I mentioned, like three scenarios in. I could be like zipping through them if I wanted to. It has very much that like original roller coaster tycoon energy where you can uh, make everybody uh, dance in a panda costume if you don't like them. Uh, no, um, where you just like start off in a college and then you just have to like clear a certain objective. So for me, in, in the first college that you start out at, at at least you have to like build up the science class and you have to have like 15 kids graduate from that class eventually. So you have to like make it through four semesters or I guess four years and then eventually they all graduate and it's like, cool, you did a great job. Move on to the next one. The next one is going to layer on some more things. So you're going to start to build like, you know, uh, like a student lounge and learn how to like throw events in a student lounge to like build up morale amongst the students. In the next one, you'll learn how to like build lecture halls and libraries and like private tutoring sessions and like why you would hire an extra teacher just to be a tutor and instead of you know going and like being another lecture hall or like a replacement for the actual science lab or whatever so every single time you move your way up a scenario you are learning a new mechanic but what i really love about this game is that they allow you to incorporate everything that you've learned and everything that you've built from the previous scenario in the next one so it really oh, does cool. feel like you're kind of growing in the amount of possibility space you have which is why i'm only in the third scenario still because even though i've already long cleared the objectives that they've set for me and i have unlocked the fourth one i've just been hanging out in this third college because i like it so much like i think it's like a really cool campus it's like this old castle that they want to it's like it the implication seems to be that it was like an old castle kind of like a like an old like british college that was set up like forever 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 ago that they want to convert into something more modern hence the robotics hence the gundam shit but uh you know once i finished that once i like built the gundam and i was good to go i just kind of hung out i built a whole second building and have been turning that into just kind of like a liberal arts school like attached to this gundam school <laughs> and that's been really fun that's been like honestly really rewarding Rewarding and really interesting. I love the way they set this game up. Just from like I think like a cartoonish standpoint. I think like aesthetically, it's it's a really kind of like mindless idle fun thing to do. I haven't found it to be too challenging either, which I think is helpful. I'm wondering if I'll get there eventually. Like they just, I just got to a point where they introduced the idea of building radiators in buildings and in rooms uh, because people were starting to complain that it was too cold because this is like a colder climate college that I was in and as soon as you like go into the items menu and then you hover over the radiator icon it shows you a heat map of where you are and you need to like strategically place all the radiators to make sure heat is like making it its way across all the buildings and i was like if you're teaching me this on the third scenario i can't even imagine where we're gonna get to like (laughs) i think of like city skylines where like you're managing the piping under the city and like the amount of like traffic management that you need to get into to to really enjoy and understand that game which to be clear i love all that stuff like when a game succeeds at all that and succeeds at tutorializing it in a way that i feel like as we were talking about with xenoblade chronicles 3 we're like that's a game with just an unbelievable amount of mechanics but they're layered in such a way where you feel first of all a narrative investment which is obviously not happening here but you feel like a narrative investment with xenoblade chronicles when they introduce a new mechanic but you also feel like it's building upon things that you've learned and you feel like it's not happening at a pace that is uh outpacing what you're capable of comprehending or like actually internalizing uh so Totally. For this game, I feel like it's doing a very similar thing uh, to City of Skylines where like because all of these mechanics are scenario based where it's like, yeah, this college is all about this and we're going to teach you all about this. Like it does kind of make sense that when you're modernizing this old castle, you would want to install radiators <laughs> like you would want it to not just be like <laughs> these cold dingy halls you know you would want it to be like full of life and full of like literal actual warmth so they're introducing that stuff they're introducing like here's how to throw a party in like the student lounge here's how to do this and this and this um here's how to like build spaces where the students can hang out outside of class and like enjoy themselves uh, and like maybe meet and fall in love things like that it's like honestly it's it's really nice it's really rewarding and it feels exactly like the kind of stuff that i would want from two point hospital without any of the stuff that
1: i wouldn't want from two point hospital uh which again i haven't played it so i don't know for sure if it's a similar tone i wonder how realistic that is but i i I know where you're coming from we're like inherently could potentially be too close to home despite being a hospital yeah even if it's like a hospital for gingerbread men or something right it's still (laughs) and who knows maybe it is like uh, i that's again
0: why i downloaded it like i am curious to go back and check it out now just out of curiosity but i feel like at like the first sign of that kind of stuff, I'm gonna smash that eject button and go back to Two Point Campus, which <laughs> honestly just feels like the one to play anyway. Because uh, even if I had to guess, I mean that game came out a long time ago. Two Point Hospital. Um, if I had to guess, this is one of those situations where probably I would have to imagine the mechanics and the tutorialization have gotten much better since then. Anyway, like I, I have to imagine this isn't just a complete reskin of Two Point Hospital with like none of the mechanic changes at all. Like I imagine they've changed a lot <laughs> about this and made it more successful in the interim. So it might be kind of like a step backwards thing uh even going back to that game
1: yeah i think they're both on game pass i was curious about them because I, I knew you were playing one of them yeah. I, I definitely will check them out one day soon That sounds awesome yeah i'm curious how they run
0: on switch um i i've heard the two-point hospital gets a little bit o- overwhelmed i think uh when it comes to that processing power and i wonder if two-point campus falls into the same issues not really sure also like city skylines runs on switch somehow so i imagine this game is probably <laughs> fine
1: I I, I don't have the technical understanding to know like what works or does it on Switch. I can only have a frame of reference for what I've played. Yeah. And then every now and then it's like, yeah, Dragon's Dogma plays great. And it's like, how? What? I mean, it's an old game, but it's also like.
0: That sure is a whole ass PS3 game, though. You know, that's like, yeah, right. Impressive.
1: Yeah, so it's very hard. I feel like it's usually if there's like just a lot of like assets, that's when the switch yeah. is like, stop! <laughs> yeah. But if it's a big open space with some goblins here and there, it's yeah. totally fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, it goes back to Xenoblade Chronicles 3, which like still looks shockingly good on that system. I, I think I agree yeah. with you that it needs a little bit of a like a shot in the arm in a way, but I mean, it still is very impressive. Kind of a benchmark for me.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: That's honestly, that's really all I have about Two Point Campus. I just think it's very good. Uh, I, I've been enjoying it a lot. It's it's very much been like a, a chill the fuck out game. It's one of those ones where every time I sit down to play it, kind of like Cult of the Lamb also, weirdly. Like I just <laughs> I just play it for like way longer than I expect to be. Every time I sit down to like check it out for 15 minutes to 30 minutes, it's like two hours just zip by, uh, which is the best kind of simulation game, I think, has that effect. Yeah,
1: I, I will say after playing as much Cult of the Lamb as I have, I've been kind of like interested in playing more like town sim or like Mm. the sim games in general that, that maybe aren't cult esque. (laughs) (laughs) So I did, I, I've been debating if I wanna get back into Civilization because I, I actually Oh my loved god. Yeah. Civilization three was the one that I played a lot Wow, three was I, your that, one.
0: I feel like whatever your first one is is like
1: the one. Three was my first one, and I, I have a special place in my heart for three because from four on they've had kind of a more cartoonish style, mm-hmm. which I do like. But three has that like sweet spot uncanny valley oblivion energy. And like seeing the the world leaders kind of like sort of slowly move their heads. As they make eye contact with you and they demand they demand like furs or nuclear war will happen. Yeah. Uh, something about that just really, really inspired me. <laughs> so three was my first one. The thing about Civ is that like I've always loved playing it, but I truly still Don't really know what I'm doing. Like, I Mm. I don't think I've ever really grasped the mechanics. I would only be able to play Civ 3 on either the easiest or second easiest difficulty. Yeah. And by the end of the game, when they like, if you like survive until, you know, the end of modern day, they like rank your civilization. And I was always a laughing stock. Like, it always was (laughs) like, you'll be forgotten. And all the world leaders are laughing. So, like, I don't, (laughs) maybe I have to like watch a YouTube video or something. Yeah. So I, I liked Civ Three a lot. And then Civ four and five and six all kind of blend. Like I know that they're all very like mm-hmm. discrete entries, but I feel like I, I don't know exactly which one is like the most beloved out of those three, but I do have Civ Six on Switch. I got it like way back in the day when we started this. And I think a bunch of I think they're on Game Pass, but if not, they're readily available everywhere. So I was considering that. But you know what is on Game Pass? Uh, finally Crusader Kings 3 oh yeah which like if I don't know how to play civilization I might be asking for too much (laughs) playing Crusader Kings 3 yeah because I feel like that's like a maybe the most like obtuse like civilization tactics game of all time but deeply intense that either came out I think it was either 2021 or 2020, but it was like a really big deal when it came out like for people who liked that genre. And it seemed to even kind of transcend its intended audience a bit. Like I feel like I saw, I've always like known that series existed, but I saw more and more people talking about it. So I definitely like want to play that soon and I'll report back if it's working for me. But I just think that that like conceptually, because that game is all about like, uh, sort of organic storytelling in a way where like mm-hmm. it's a lot about like choosing like a world leader and like there's a lot of like wild decisions that happen and I feel like what I really love about both roguelikes and those types of games is like how each run kind of feels unique to itself right so I definitely feel like I have a Crusader Kings 3 fan within me i just don't know mm-hmm. if i'm going to be able to understand the game enough to enjoy yeah. it <laughs> but we'll see what happens i used to i used to watch a lot of uh
0: live streams of the idle thumbs guys playing crusader kings 2 and it always seemed really interesting to me uh, and i never picked it up and then 3 came out and i was i was very interested in that and i think if i recall correctly when it came out i was also in the realm of like maybe i'm going to build a pc eventually so i think i was holding off to play it on that
1: hypothetically yeah because it was pc only up until more recently i think yeah,
0: yeah. so I, i'm like i'm still curious about checking it out i mean you're right it's on game pass and i have the odin and i have uh, a series s uh, so it feels like kind of a no-brainer to eventually check it out but i think you're right it is very funny to be like yeah i don't fully get Civ, but i'm just gonna dive right into specific <laughs> things which is like as intense as possible i do know there are some like Bad shit with that developer that I think kind of tainted that game a little bit for a lot of people, Oh, I see. Um, which yeah. was a little bit of a bummer. Uh, they've pretty publicly, if I recall, I might be wrong about this and correct me if I'm wrong, please dear listener. But if I recall correctly, they've been pretty vocal about like changes they've wanted to make since a lot of those reports came out. Um, and I hope that that stuff has happened, but, um, either way, I, I have seen a lot of people get very into Crusader Kings three and I'm, I'm curious about it. Civilization though, to circle back on that, mine was five, like five was the one that I really, really, really got into. Um, hell and, yeah like really played that game endlessly endlessly and then six came out and i i remember this specific. it just feels like such a classic thing where six came out and like didn't quite hit the highs that i think a lot of people were hoping for and over the course of like i guess years at this point if i had to get i mean as you said it's it came out on switch like pretty early in the switch's life cycle so i think it's been years at this point they've fixed that game up to the point where it's like significantly better than it was at launch and that's actually the one i'm playing more frequently than i'm not now which is great so i also have it on switch i also have it on ipad which is like awesome my ipad has like very little storage i really use it as like (laughs) a second monitor i use it to watch youtube videos of like food while i'm cooking like i like to watch recipes while i'm making those recipes i use it to read comic books and like the only game i'm really playing on it all the time is civ 6 Um, because I just don't have enough room for anything else. I have that and I have FTL. I think those are the only two games I've downloaded on there. And another one that I can't talk about.
1: Oh, exciting. Uh, yeah. something uh about the tablet with like any kind of tactics game just feels so official. It's, it's awesome. Like, go yeah. here, yeah, yeah. Go a flick of your wrist, move and that's here. The thing.
0: I think you can play the Switch version with touch controls, so it essentially just like kind of is the iPad version, but also has the that's controller right. support. Yeah, but on the iPad with that screen, I mean, at least the the size screen that I have, it just feels like exactly what you would want you know, I just kind of goes back to that thing that you and I always talk about with handheld consoles where the ability to hold them close to your face gets you so immersed in a way Yeah, and holding a big ass iPad screen up to my face to place Civ on is, uh, great
1: so
0: i would highly recommend that version of that game honestly i think it runs really well i mean it depends i guess also on what version of the ipad you have right uh depending on what that processor is and stuff i have the 2020 ipad air and civ 6 runs spectacularly on it uh and i would highly recommend it i really like it
1: yeah i might i might go back to the switch version because i got that when i was like there was a point early in our show where i hadn't really established a rhythm of mm-hmm. getting games like i think uh, especially once we started because we didn't start doing bonus episodes until 2019 so like essentially a year in yeah i think having the structure of a monthly bonus where like that is sort of the deeper dive into one idea or game or series mm. and then every week is just sort of what's happening that week that's like so much pressure off Kind of needing like a new thing every week because I feel like I was kind of impulsively buying like whatever looked interesting yeah that week and I was like one this is way too much money we just started the show <laughs> I don't think anyone's listening yet two uh, <laughs> I didn't enjoy it. it it felt like I was I was just sort of like not being able to spend enough time with anything so mm-hmm. I do think like now that we've done two hundred episodes I do feel good that like okay we can do an episode and maybe if we've only pl- like call to the lamb for example today. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a kind of first impression. Like we haven't played the whole game. We might bring it back again if we want to. Yeah. I like having that flexibility. So I bring all that up because Civ 6 I got before I had that comfort. And now that I have it, I might return. And who knows? Maybe I'll make a civilization that's worth remembering. Yeah. According to the game.
0: We have been doing this show, as we mentioned, for 200 weeks. And it is, uh, I think, important that we go back and revisit some stuff and like come back with maybe new opinions Uh, I very interestingly actually um, we had a little bit of a break earlier in the year where there just like wasn't a lot of stuff coming out I think it was like the one week that we've taken a week off in like a year or something and I went back and played a lot of the game that we played for into the Aether 100 which was crosscode I went back and started that game from scratch and like played a whole ton of it Uh, I ended up not bringing it to the show again because I didn't get far enough in to like really bring it up but I mean that game just continued to get better and better and better and it got to the point where where I was like, maybe I do like finish this and come back and do a whole segment about it again, Uh, because I was really surprised at where that game ended up going by the time I put it down and moved on to some other stuff again. Um, But, you know, again, part of the nature of doing a show like this is sometimes it's really hard to invest that much time in games, especially when there's so much other stuff coming out. Again, not that we're beholden to new releases, et cetera, et cetera, but I do like coming to the show with at least a new thing each week, not like new, new. I just mean like a different thing than the previous week
1: or a thing that we haven't talked about. Absolutely. Yeah. CrossCode is a game that is always on my backlog because I loved it when we when we started playing it um, a couple years ago. But uh, yeah, I just that that game too. I think the pacing like because it's essentially a game about being in a fictional MMO parts of it. Demand MMO length time, (laughs) yeah. So I think like that's really the genre that's hardest for us to bring to the show. Like I desperately want to play more of the FF14 like Mm. story campaigns because we, you and I played A Realm Reborn. We have actually that that's a fun bonus. It's the only bonus, possibly the only bonus that will ever be like this because it was a little bit difficult. (laughs) But we played the game while recording the bonus, right? And that stream exists on. On YouTube, but like it's us playing the game, talking about it, which I do think maybe only works for FF14 because that is, I think, synonymous with just the joy of like, it's a really chill time. I think that's like, I would say one of the many reasons that game is so wildly popular is like, it's one of the few MMOs that's more about the experience in the setting and like getting immersed in your character than like min-maxing like you know being part of a raid. Like there is that part of it if you want it. Right. But I think a lot of people play that game just for the story and for the atmosphere and for feeling like you're part of a world. Yeah. But it's just really tough because like that game asks so much time of you that like at a certain point it's like I feel like we would have to have an FF 14 show. That being said, I haven't given up on it. But it is just more difficult to like be like I played Stormblood this week. <laughs> um <laughs> But CrossCode, I think, is, like, that is a game that I imagine maybe one day we will get a bonus, and that might be, like, sometimes bonuses serve as, like, almost goals for us. Yeah, like a capstone, yeah. Yeah, like, I think sometimes bonuses are, like, we love this thing so much, we have to devote a whole episode to it. And other times, it could be a little bit more, like, almost, like, research. But I feel like when we did Eco and Shadow of the Colossus, like, we both already loved Shadow of the Colossus, but it was almost more of, like, a, let's look at these two games that are so, like, heralded as, like, best game of all time and see. Mm -hmm. how we feel and then there's stuff where it's like we just really want to finish this and we have to make it a project to do it
0: yeah we actually have a bonus that we've been talking about doing potentially on on the horizon that is kind of in that realm that i'm really excited about you actually started playing one of the games yesterday which uh maybe i don't want to like allude to what that is but it's a, re- it's a really fun idea for a bonus that is kind of closer to that eco Shadow of the Colossus thing that I'm really excited about. But I, I agree with you. There are games every once in a while. I feel like cross code is constantly lingering there as one of them. Honestly, like Xenoblade 3 really feels like it's one of those ones that like will get a bonus one day if I were to guess once we're both eventually done with it. I don't know where you're at. I'm still on Chapter 4 because I can't stop doing side shit. On
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm on, I'm on Chapter 3. So apparently I learned that there are seven chapters in oh. the main story, but they're all just really really long yeah and there's a million things to do outside of it so like (laughs) you know chapter three has been i i've like just started doing the main story again actually, i actually haven't played it in like a week or so so i'm like definitely mm. like not as far i've been like really tempted by the whole chat there's a channel for jrpgs it's largely about xenoblade 3 right now and it's like yeah. all redacted and i'm like so tempted to to read through <laughs> but i'm like no i shouldn't but uh yeah i think once we're done with that uh it will, it will get one and sometimes it's interesting that like you know I, I think about our tales of arise bonus as an example and Scar- nexus 2 where it's like those are both games that like we were a little bit more mixed on than usual for a bonus mm. but like we loved enough and had a lot to talk about that i think it was a constructive time still yeah you know so i, I think that those are fun too so I, I won't reveal what that bonus you alluded to is but i will say that indirectly related i have discovered that on the virtual library on the switch there is a crt filter for the games <laughs> Um, so if you want to like see some of the the visuals through a CRT filter, I'm kind of amazed that that's a thing. I don't remember seeing that or hearing about that at all. Uh, I just sort of stumbled into it. So I just want to give like a point of credit to Nintendos. I, I always critique that. Yeah. Some people are so against those. Like some people like really,
0: really, really hate those kinds of filters over the years. Oh, really? And I am so in favor of them. I love them so much. Like every retro handheld that I use, even if I'm emulating stuff on my computer, when I was at one point using my xbox series s as an emulator for a while to play some games that will be redacted i was using like a really like intense crt filter on a lot of them just because i think it's so funny and it looks like honestly really cool sometimes uh but some people find it to be like abhorrent to use those and i'm like i don't know to each
1: their own yeah i think it's like i've never done the switch one though yeah, it's cool to see the difference. Like it's not it's not huge, but I think like there are Twitter accounts that kind of show like this is how Street Fighter 2 looked on a CRT and this is how it looks elsewhere and like it can be really dramatic. Yeah, it's cool to see like this is how the pixel art style was sort of intended to be filtered through.
0: Yeah, so I don't know. It's something I'm I'm looking at some pictures of it. It looks awesome.
1: Yeah, it's bizarre that that the Nintendo virtual console has a CRT filter, but you can't change like the controls or the border. (laughs) I hate the border of like the gray. Like I wish there was just a solid black. It would look so much better. Yeah, it's really bizarre. I wonder if
0: they're like adding new stuff to that still like what what was the last game they added yeah they've been adding so i pokemon I, puzzle league right i think is the last one
1: yeah i think you need the expansion pack but there's been a lot of 64 stuff added actually that's where i've been playing um paper mario yeah uh, for our upcoming bonus Same. which honestly plays great so it's a little weird because the right joystick is the c stick technically mm-hmm. like the c buttons which you actually do need to use a lot in paper mario you know if you want to change your party member or to use their <laughs> ability or ask Umbario what the heck is happening Uh but overall like it emulates really well which i was happy about because i think the n64 emulation on the switch is a little bit more hit or miss than the other consoles the paper mario looks great uh and plays great in my opinion yeah oh they also just added all
0: those extra courses to mario kart right oh yes they have and i have played them
1: have you i haven't i haven't booted that up yet i keep meaning to and i haven't done it thank you for reminding me so they added in spirit of our not for us but in spirit of our ds no, it was for us, for, it was for us. <laughs> waluigi pinball is yeah. now in mario kart 8 deluxe and it is triumphant thank god it is so cool i love it they've also been adding a lot of real places which is like so fascinating to me yeah they're all the mario kart tour uh things
0: their, their mobile game is like literally you're touring around the world is the idea
1: that okay so yeah there there is a uh new york city level there is a sydney level there's a tokyo level and a paris level off the top of my head
0: the paris level is really cool because that's the one where you go through two laps one way and then the th- on the third lap they like reverse your course so you're like
1: driving. Against the current, it's really fun. Yeah, there's some levels from like Super Nintendo. Like there's like the first track from Super Mario Kart that's Mm -hmm. been added. Some N64 levels. It's honestly just great. Like I, I think that like with that game in particular, choosing to just add new courses rather than making Mario Kart Nine, I I think makes more sense. Cause like I don't really see how they would one up that game in terms of like the Mario Kart structure. (laughs) Like I'm sure they'll there will eventually be Mario Kart Nine but I know what you mean and I'm excited to see what they do with it but I think like it's it is absurd how well that game still sells there's a TikTok that's just like from the course of the Switch's launch to now of like the best-selling games and like Mm. you know they cycle out and like Mario Kart 8 was number one and continues to be it just continues to sell more it's incredible pretty much the the only game to come close is Animal Crossing which was like a you know phenomenon (laughs) yeah (laughs) so I, I do get from a business perspective of like why would we make a new one when this is still selling so well and it is a case where like it's a fantastic game so like it is fun just to see the new levels and i can't help but feel like this is probably what they'll do for smash ultimate where like i don't think they're gonna add like more characters again but i i would guess uh, when the new system comes out there will probably be like a smash ultimate deluxe or whatever that has like all the dlc characters included you know everything yeah. in one place maybe like over time there will be you know like some weird like levels or spirits or yeah
0: something. i was gonna say i feel like the thing that you could add hypothetically that might change the game up at least because you would really be catering to a lot of like competitive players there i feel like upkeep for smash ultimate is very different i think than upkeep for mario kart 8 where like that's kind of just a game for everybody um our friend of the show kyle star frequently refers to mario kart as like a riding a bike thing where it's like once you've played one mario kart game you can do it forever i feel like smash is not that at all so you know the question is how do you continue to upkeep that game without needing to do a bunch of like intellectual property related like Boardroom C suite deals <laughs> to get like new characters in there. And I feel like the answer is probably just stages, right? Like the answer is probably just like building new backgrounds for things. Yeah, because you know, people are gonna yeah. play them in Final Destination anyway. Yeah,
1: yeah. And this this is a bigger conversation of like you know. I just think for Smash Ultimate in particular, I don't think we need a new Smash for a very long time. Yeah, you know, I like I don't see the need. Like I I even felt that way kind of after Smash Four, but I do think Smash Ultimate was like a big step up and is very very much just like the intention of that game was, let's just be the biggest and best smash game. Mm. And then Sakurai can finally move on to other things <laughs> and you know you you feel the love in that game i i think like on one hand like there is clearly like a corporate part of it as well i mean i think like you know it, in some ways you could see it as like a big ad for nintendo but mm-hmm. i don't know i think i was at least sold with all the events of sakurai where i feel like at the very least that series began as like a creative pitch you know i think like yeah. smash was born out of sakurai's idea that wasn't a sure thing at the time this is like decades before Fortnite and you know like this sort of ip trading that we have today the idea of like donkey kong fighting kirby was kind of inherently silly and still is and i think that was kind of the beauty of smash yeah it never really took itself too seriously so i don't know i just think it, it kind of i've had this conversation a lot with people because i think sometimes i'll have friends be like oh like what should they do in the new smash and i'm like do we need it don't do yeah. we <laughs> always need a new thing like yeah you know, I don't want to shame anyone for asking that, but like, I think we are kind of conditioned to like think we need a new thing every five years. And It's like we can just continue playing this one. Yeah, I mean, it also goes to an, you know game preservation, where it's like this game can can be. And I'm sure it will be ported forward because it sells really well. But I don't know. I just I I don't really think we always need a sequel just because it's been five years. And that's a very kind of boring idea.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. And also, I mean, inherently, considering these are all business decisions at the end of the day, like the business decision on Nintendo's end is do you make a Mario Kart nine and potentially like have it not be as good as Mario Kart eight? And therefore Mario Kart 8 sales continue to climb and Mario Kart 9 is like this wasted investment. You know, those are the decisions you have to weigh. So I think going in and adding a bunch of courses to the thing that's already successful is like very smart, especially considering they're bundling it with their subscription service, which, of course, every tech company under the sun is trying to build a subscription service right now. So like,
1: yeah. Yeah. It all kind of that's works. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. I, I think my big thing with like the, you know, we've talked about this a lot, but I think just the lack of like communication about the long term plan is what bothers me most. Like, I, I think that like, I'm glad that there's a way to play NES and SNES and N64 games on Switch. Like, that's really cool. And it's not the yeah. ideal way, but like, I'm glad it's there at the very least. But this idea of like every six months, they're just like, you can play tennis. It's like, <laughs> like <laughs> is this just going to happen and definitely is this going to catch Carry over to the next system. Right. Is this going to be discontinued eventually? Like there's so many question marks that it makes me feel constantly uneasy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but also i i feel like weirdly a game that had a uh like nintendo direct kind of thing i mean it wasn't a kind of thing it was just a nintendo direct last week i feel like is one of those cases where it actually is very helpful to have a new entry in the title which is splatoon 3 which i know you're very excited about it's coming yeah i think the second week of september it drops so pretty soon which is fun but that's one of those games where like they're not including a bunch of like nightmare microtransaction shit they're not trying to turn it into a subscription service they're trying to make it this game that like by selling it full price they can continue to To keep it supported for the people who like pass that gate check you know the people who drop the 60 dollars for it will then get updates for literally two years after that you know eventually like some big dlc drop i imagine kind of like the octo expansion for two or whatever but still like that's a that's a completely different model of making games than what they're doing with mario kart and what they will probably do with super smash brothers where like it is supposed to be the self-contained thing that is like a buy once and you just get shit forever kind of thing
1: that's the ideal, I think, you know, I, and I, I think Splatoon 2. I mean, that, that game was so heavily supported for so long. Yeah, it's very cool to see. It's like one of the few Nintendo games that gets like online updates. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, and I yeah. guess Animal Crossing did too, to be fair. But not anymore. Um, Isn't it wild that they're
0: just like announced that they're done with Animal Crossing? I can't believe that they just like finished that
1: yeah it's, it's it's kind of bizarre i mean feels like a missed opportunity that being said i I do think the 2.0 update and the folding in happy home designer was fantastic yeah don't get me wrong i, th- I love all that stuff to be
0: clear but it's just yeah. amazing that you have like the thing that is best-selling next to mario kart 8 which is the best-selling game on your system and you're like ah we're good
1: <laughs> it's kind of like if ea just released sims 4 and never updated, right but you yeah. know it's yeah. you know, and, and not and you can critique their business model but it's like, that's like their money-making thing yeah a Nintendo is almost like it's very it's very bizarre. Yeah. It's like, you know, there there's a danger to like constantly updating and like shoving in your face and like yeah. asking for more and more money constantly. But then then there's also like this is like such a huge, miraculous hit. And you're like, nah, we're good.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> it's,
1: it's done. Like yeah. so many companies yeah. would kill for that kind of success. Because it's a game that warrants updates. Yeah. You know, it's a game that people check in and it's, it's sort of a... It's a town sim where you're in charge of an island, and you can grow <laughs> gifts and give people gifts, and uh-huh. you can change how the island looks and who lives there. Um, it's not a cult. Oh. It's not a call. Right. No sacrifice. No, no, no sacrifice. No no sacrifice.
0: Um, (laughs) Before we wrap up episode 200, can I can I just run you through? I I just like brought up the game calendar of stuff that's coming. Yeah. Can I just like talk about some of the stuff that's coming? Because I feel like the the overarching vibe of 2022 is like everything got delayed to next year. So whoops, I guess there's nothing else. And I don't see it that way. I mean, looking at it visually, we were just talking about Splatoon 3, which is coming soon, which is like exhilarating that that game is coming yeah overwatch 2 is a whole game that's coming and like whether that game succeeds or fails who knows but like that's a pretty big game release that i'm pretty excited about i'm also just like really stoked because october is our month of near automata coming to switch and also persona 5 royal coming
1: to switch Have they have they made dates for uh, three and four yet? Like, no. Do we know when those are coming?
0: No, gotcha. Um, I think I think the most they've said is that four will be in twenty twenty three, and then three, I guess, is even later than that. Which honestly does kind of lend credence to your idea that they're going to fold some more updates into that than just straight up like Persona Three Portable on Switch.
1: At least from the footage, and maybe I just forgot about sections of it but i feel like even what they show to persona 5 royal there's some aesthetic differences in seemingly different areas like i'm not sure if like all three games are getting some unique features or not yeah but we'll see
0: if i had to guess the persona 4 golden port that we got on pc will be the one that shows up on switch um yeah but i i think you're right the three is this kind of like lingering outlier kind of situation where we like really don't know what that game's gonna look like when it drops other stuff in october gotham knights which i'm really excited about maybe it's just me i don't know i i like batman i like the bat family and i am excited for that but at the end of the month on the same day is bayonetta 3 which is going to be
1: oh wow very interesting
0: yeah. uh you and i both haven't played the first two which is kind of fun so- Yeah, i
1: played a bit of the first one like years and years oh really ago, but it's it's yeah, it's, it's still, like, largely... Un- I played it, like, at a friend's house mm. for, like, four hours, so it's it might as well have been a dream. Yeah. So I'm excited to learn more about that series over time.
0: Yeah, I've never played... Either of them, and I'm just... I'm stoked to, like, check that out. I feel like that'll be kind of one of my missions leading up to that game coming out is is investing some time in the first two, which are both on Switch, which is cool. And the same day as Bayonetta 3 is the big update for Resident Evil Village, uh, the gold update. Oh, yeah. It adds, like, all that wild, cool shit. So, like, the third-person view, so you're not playing in first-person, this, like, whole expansion pack where you're playing... Well, I actually don't want to spoil it but you know some spoilers for the end of the first game you're playing as a different
1: character I'm excited for that
0: yeah. uh, which is going to be exciting Um, all these updates to the mercenaries mode where you can play as like Lady Dimitrescu and stuff Uh, which is going to be really silly I don't know that that's coming out um at the end of October which is like obviously perfect timing for it but I'm just really like stoked about that me too the new Mario and Rabbits comes out that month also which I feel like m- might end up flying oh, really? under the radar but like will be cool I know you downloaded XCOM 2 recently and I also downloaded XCOM 2 because you downloaded XCOM 2 so Another game I haven't played but like really should I feel like that'll be good yeah. in the lead up to Mario plus Rabbids 2 <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah because they're weirdly actually similar yeah can
0: I hit you with November I only have three games written down for November for the two of us please do Harvestella oh yeah God of War Ragnarok Pokemon Scarlet and Violet what <laughs>
1: What do you think of those three is going to be the biggest deal for us? I'm like, I feel like we're going to be the, like, Harvestella, like, cult in the distance. Like, you guys got to just- I'm this so out.
0: nervous that you and I are going to be, like, completely over the moon about Harvestella. Like, that's going to be... <laughs> That game is going to, it has the potential to be a really big problem for us, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I, I've i messaged you a couple times that I think Harvestella might ruin our lives. I mean, speaking of Cult of the Lamb, Harvestella was a game announced by Square uh recently that is essentially like actually Rune Factory, but done by Square <laughs> and seemingly with like a much larger budget. Yeah. Which makes me feel kind of sad because obviously like Rune Factory, that team has gone through so much. Like they, they, I think they declared bankruptcy at one point. Yeah. Rune Factory 5 was like their big comeback right and you know that game is like clearly like it's got a rough production yeah. even though there's some great things about it so like part of me feels a little icky that like here comes square enix and just like does that idea with like their corporate funding right that being said at this point it's a pretty general idea like i think it's like it's not a unique enough <laughs> yeah. pitch To be like totally unique to, and everyone's gonna have a different style on it. So it's seemingly like big JRPG fantasy story, but you are you know in a town, and there's sort of like a slice of life, town sim part of it. It could, I feel like if it delivers on the promise of Rune Factory and sort of what I've wanted in my head on a subjective level yeah I think it could be a really huge accomplishment I agree I feel like there is kind of like a
0: hole in the market there the conceit of that game is that you're making your way through the four seasons but there's also a fifth season so it's like summer winter (laughs) fall spring but there's also the season of death (laughs) oh is that what it is yeah uh which I'm wondering like mechanically if that's gonna be interesting like if it's like oh all your crops are dead like it it like wipes out everything unless you like beat the jrpg story which like could be interesting
1: like a like that's so funny that that's the season isn't that just winter that's like (laughs) (laughs) like i thought it was gonna be like the season of crystals or something yeah who knows
0: I'm excited for that game, though. I really hope it's good. That, that I mean, kind of gets into a thing that you and I were, like, bouncing around maybe talking about this week. But I, I just I really appreciate that Square Enix is, like, taking chances and making things that, like, aren't Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest. Uh, I always want more Dragon Quest, to be clear. But I just, I really appreciate that we're seeing these smaller teams, like, get the runway to make things. You know, like, I loved, as I have talked about a lot, I guess that was this year, uh, all that Tokyo RPG Factory stuff. Like, I, I'm glad that that team got to make there are three games. It seems like they're not going to make any more, but like there are other teams making cool stuff. The Live Alive remaster, for example, the Octopath team doing their thing. Triangle
1: Strategy. Yeah, Triangle yeah.
0: Strategy. You and I played um, the Diofield Chronicle demo, which I have a video of on our YouTube. It seems like another like cool like experiment in a new kind of gameplay style for them. And Harvestella, which, you know. Again, is like something that Square Enix hasn't made before, and I'm excited to see their take on it.
1: Yeah. And I obviously am very curious about uh, the new Pokemon, as always, and yeah. God of War is exciting. So that's great. What is in November?
0: I know. I'm, I'm really excited about it. December, not really too excited about the stuff that's dropping there. I mean, it's going to take a lot of convincing for me to get into like the Castillo Protocol, which is that new game by the Dead Space team, mm. like ex-Dead Space team, um, which I know that's going to be for a lot of people, and I just kind of recognize from the outset that it's not so much for me. Just like big kind of gore fest, uh, like horror game. I don't, I don't know how yeah. much I care about that, but uh, I'm excited for the people who want that.
1: I think what's also fun is like as we've been doing the show, there is always like there's always going to be a game that just comes out of nowhere, kind of like Cult of the Lamb. Like, yeah. that is like the hit of of this. Of this season, this that really summer. did come out of nowhere for me. I really,
0: yeah. I, I, that was not on my radar at all.
1: I don't know if it's like the hit for us as much, but it's definitely like a wildly popular game immediately. Yeah. So it is cool that like, this, you never know what's going to pop up in that way. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what, you know, there might be like all of a sudden a, a game drops in December that we love. So I always love like, there's always, you know, the broadcasted hits and then it's like, but there's always going to be something weird that shows up.
0: Sorry, sorry, sorry. Dragon Quest Treasures comes out December 9th. Oh my
1: God. I feel like that's going to be a big deal. I, yeah. I at least that's going to be a big deal for us at the very least. <laughs> I'm very excited for it. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm also really stoked about that game. But anyway, should we uh wrap
1: up our 200th episode? Yeah, uh congrats my friend. I, I'm I'm really Same to you. I'm really I was just looking at the calendar to see <laughs> I was was looking at my calendar to see if there's anything that I wrote down that you didn't bring up, and I just see Friday, September 9th, Splatoon 3, pay rent is what I have in my calendar. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, um, it's kind of amazing, like how much time it's been. You know, I know it's like corny to say, but like I, I I recently stumbled across like uh, you know, I, I I watched like an older stream we did, and like. I think in that stream we were like, Oh yeah, like we're you know, we're close to a hundred subscribers on YouTube and it's like now (laughs) we have eight hundred and it's only been like a year and a half and you know, not that like things need to be judged by metrics, but I just think it's kinda surreal, like I don't know how natural the growth of the show has felt. I'm kinda grateful for that. I'm I'm grateful that like I I, I think you and I have just been amazed that, like, from the very beginning, there have been people listening at all. And not to, you know, settle for less, but I think we both recognize that, like, it might take, like, two years before anyone listens at all. You know, and, and I think something that was so encouraging was just having people that didn't know us, that owed us nothing, that were like, I love this. that At least for me, that really like inspire me to keep making this. I'm like, even if it's just the three of us, you, me, and that one person for years, like that's enough. Cause I love making the show with you and I'm, I'm glad we've been able to do it for so long.
0: Yeah. I feel like even more recently, you and I have had these moments, especially talking about Xenoblade. I think you've said it as much on the show where it's just like, Oh yeah. Fuck. We're recording this. Aren't we? This is not just like us (laughs) talking about Xenoblade Chronicles. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, This is like a, a, a thing that we're releasing on the internet. Whoops. But yeah, I don't, I'm man, I'm right there with you. This show is fun to make. I feel like we say it every week, but it's the 200th episode, so it's worth saying again. It's really great. Thank you so much to everybody who's listening to the show and everybody who's, like, back in the Patreon, which is wild, and watching the stuff on Twitch and YouTube and hanging out in the Discord, which just, like, continues to grow and be cool. It's really nice. Thank you so much. thank you so much. Um,
1: Should we say that
0: 200 times just to really seal the deal? Yeah, I I had a thought (laughs) right after the first segment where I was like, What if this episode was exactly 200 minutes long? And then I realized (laughs) I did not play enough games this week to to do that. So, uh,
1: I mean, I have a copy of Fire Emblem right here. I could just plug this in.
0: (laughs) Just go for it. I have my copy of uh Reggie Fizeme's book Disrupting the Game next to me. I could just like make my own audiobook version of that if I wanted to, I guess hypothetically. Here's
1: the limited edition physical copy of Celeste. I could talk about this for 200 minutes if you want.
0: I have a cool lamp on my desk. All right. Now we're now we literally are just naming things that are on our desk, so we should probably <laughs> wrap up. They really jumped the shark at 200 when they
1: ended the show just named 200 things. <laughs> they were so embarrassed they never did a 200 first episode. Coasters, cardboard, statuettes, <laughs> microphones, taxes.
0: Um, Steven, you should have paid your taxes months ago. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Brennan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brennan Bigley.
1: I'm Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Goodbye. Bye-bye.